0: The Gucci Girl, Prada Professional, Coach Queen, or Target Trendsetter. No matter how you describe her, she's the most powerful consumer in the country. Cranberry Radio proudly presents Purse Strings. Join marketing to women expert Maria Retan, chief storyteller at Styled Retail, as she chats with those in the know so that your business can grow. Now please welcome our host of Purse Strings, Maria Retan.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to Purse Strings. I'm Maria Retan. Thanks so much for joining me today. You can catch Purse Strings right here every Tuesday at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Each and every week you'll learn how you and your company can corner the market on the most powerful consumer in the country, the 51% of us who control more than 80% of all the spending, the woman. Well, first up from Marketing Daily, an article by Tanya Gazdick on do-good companies. And this is not going to be a surprise to most of you that there's an emerging consciousness economy is branded by jlj marketing in a recent white paper that they published and that consciousness economy is actually motivating companies to acquire purpose-driven brands you may have heard about the acquisition of seventh generation and the honest company these are um, really two two examples of what's driving uh, companies to buy up that have this mission-driven purpose about them The idea is that consumers today are what's happening in our society with a lot of fear and mistrust and lack of control that, um, you know, we really want to do business with with those companies, those brands that are the opposite of that. And that's why there's this focus on these do-good companies. Consumers, we know, are also a heck of a lot more informed. They do a lot of research and they will shift their buying based on the brands, again, that they think align with their own mission and vision and values. Self-improvement is a big part of this, both professional and personal environments. People are engaging that. They're rejecting fear-branded messaging. They're embracing and aligning with positive and engaging in mindful activities. Um, Pioneers in this space have been Patagonia. Wild Planet Foods, and again, as I mentioned before, the Honest Company as well as Unilever. Um, so keep in mind, if you're a company, you lead a company, uh, you might want to take a hard look at what that company is doing um, in espousing its mission and vision and values and how it's actually living that, because that's just such a high value to many consumers out there. Our purse profile today is Alpha Mom. This is a millennial mom, uh, about 1.6 million of them out there, college grads, employed full-time, married with children in the home, uh, over 121K, median household. Health- income keeping up with fashion seeing themselves as influential trendsetters confident they say and embrace their individualism ambitious and motivated but living in the moment and taking advantage of all that life has to offer that includes uh, switching things up for novelty and change but always with an eye to value they'll pay more for it so where are they shopping neiman marcus ikea williams sonoma bloomingdales and nordstrom they're They're driving a BMW, a Volvo, a Jeep, and a Volkswagen. And uh, when it comes to media, you can find them reading Better Homes and Gardens in Style, Time, Oprah, and Wired. And they're watching CNN for News, HGTV, TLC, Bravo, Lifetime, and E. My guest today is a mom. She's also a national security expert and the author of a brand new book called Security Mom, An Unclassified Guide to Protecting Our Homeland and Your Home. Juliette Kayam's going to be at the Miami Book Fair coming up this November talking about this book, Security Mom. It's based on her own years, 15 years, managing complex policy and organizing government responses to major crises like the H1N1 pandemic and the BP oil spill, among others. She, uh, went President Obama's assistant, assistant Secretary for Intergovernment Affairs at the Department of Homeland Security and worked on the state level and Massive Homeland Security Advisor. She's seen it all um, and she's here to tell us that things aren't as bad as we think and that while there's risk all around us, we can help mitigate it and also um, have a little bit of control in our lives. I know I'm very excited to speak to Juliette Kayam and I'm sure that um, you probably want to know what she has to say on this very timely topic of security in the United States so stick around we're going to talk to Juliet when we return in just a moment
0: first strings we'll be right back after a word from our advertisers
1: are you paying too much for your paid advertising or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money Studies show that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average. The web marketing experts at WMETraining.com can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the web marketing experts at WMETraining.com
2: literature is taking over miami streets between november 13th and the 20th downtown miami will transform into a full week celebration of the literary arts more than 500 plus authors are coming to share their new work at the 2016 miami book fair the porch is open every evening complete with a full schedule of live music and performances a farmer's market and cafe food trucks craft beer and more for more information on the 33rd Miami Book Fair, November 13th to the 20th, at Miami Dade Colleges Wolfson Campus in Downtown Miami. Call 305-237-3258 or visit miamibookfair.com. Follow Miami Book Fair on Facebook. Add some Cranberry Radio podcast to your playlist as part of a better profit margin. Cranberry Radio. It's it's good for you. Really?
0: Her Strings is back with the inside track on today's women. Once again, here's Maria Retan
1: guest today is Juliette Kayam she spent over 15 years managing complex policy initiatives and organizing government responses to major crises and boy are they major in both state and federal government most recently she was President Obama's assistant secretary for Intergovernmental Affairs at the Department of Homeland Security this is a role she's well versed in previous to that she was actually working under the Massachusetts governor's Homeland Security Advisor guiding regional planning and was the state's first interoperational plan overseeing the National Guard. In addition to that, if that's not enough, uh, she played pivotal roles in major operations, including the handling of the H1N1 pandemic and the BP oil spill response, among others. Uh, So that, of course, makes her fully capable of authoring a book called security mom an unclassified guide to protecting our homeland and your home she's going to be at the miami book fair coming up this november and i'm thrilled to have juliet on the show today welcome
3: Oh, thank you. I'm thrilled to to talk with you. I'm thrilled to get to Miami and because uh, the weather's getting cold here, up here in, in New England. I
1: know. It's, it's <laughs> a beautiful place to escape to, isn't it? You are so lucky in that regard, that's for sure. Well, I know you're a busy woman. In fact, I've seen you uh, live on many a news program related to a lot of the uh, unfortunate uh, terroristic issues that we've had of late. And I know... Um, That makes the topic, this conversation we're having today, extremely, extremely timely. I feel like, I don't know about you, I mean, you're living this world, but I feel like as a casual viewer and a consumer of news, there's always some headline screaming the latest scary situation. You know, it's either a person shot by police or a homegrown terrorist or people being stabbed in a mall or ISIS threatening lives with explosives. I mean, it's kind of nuts out there. I know you're a parent. I'm a parent. Yeah. I don't even know how you do your job, knowing yeah. you're probably <laughs> a lot more than the average consumer, and we're scared to death. So, how do you balance all of that? Right, That's it's such it. a great
3: question. It's actually what motivated the book because. You know, look, I have been in counterterrorism and homeland security for almost two decades, and the idea that I would write a memoir, right, about being a mother of three and dealing with these, you know, big crises and big threats and, and vulnerabilities, you know, would have never crossed my mind, but it's a question like yours that got me to thinking, you know, people just, they, they, they want to stop being afraid. I believe that. I think, you know, you just can't process all of the all of this bad news. And maybe there's a way that I can, you know, present the world as at least I see it and the risks that we face as a country, but also things that you can do, that anyone can do, that communities can invest in, that, that corporations and the private sector, so that we all um, sort of own our own homeland security. And I, I opened the book with sort of Saying, you know, we, meaning my my profession, because I write this book, you know, with the with the ability to look back, right, and things that mistakes that I had made. I said, you know, my profession had talked to citizens in a way that made them either tune out or freak out, and those were the only options we gave you, right, you know, and um and that's that's not a very resilient society, and so I basically tell the story of. You know all the different crises I faced, and try to give people the tools to process them, to prepare, um, and um, and to also accept that we will have vulnerabilities as a nation, and and we will also move on from them.
1: That's right. We, we have to take a pragmatic and realistic yeah. approach. And that's very, very clear in your book. And I think that comes to your point from great experience. I mentioned at the top of the show here, the H1N1 pandemic, the BP oil spill, many, many other things that you've counseled the heads of state on. I guess in the job that you do, what did you really learn about the state of security in our country? I mean, what really is the state of yeah,
3: I mean, and this is and no. It's it's so I, you know, and the question, like you know, fifteen years after nine eleven, are we safe? And I, I sort of refuse to answer that question in some ways because I don't know how to. I mean, safer from what? And you know, I'll, I'll just begin with nine eleven, which really brought the consciousness of 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 our homeland security to the forefront. But obviously, we were at risk before that. You know, we've had so many different types of risks um, from. Terrorism, but terrorism looks different now. It's not Al Qaeda. It's more of these sort of lone wolves and and hurricanes and oil spills and H one N one and Ebola and Zika and you know all the, and and waters rising. You're you know in Florida and 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 uh, and so I wanted to take a step back and sort of say, look, government has an obligation, right? It is to minimize the risks, but you're not going to get them to zero. It's to maximize defenses so that we have a competent you know response capability that we're investing in our first responders uh, but also that we maintain as, uh, as a society as communities as a nation and i think about that those three requirements all the time now that we we're never going to get to perfect accept that prepare ourselves and get ready for you know the thing or and so, like, one of the anecdotes I talk about, you know, well, I was the state Homeland Security Advisor in Massachusetts. I oversaw the, you know, the state side of the Boston Marathon planning mm-hmm. uh, before before the attack. And people will often say to me, well, you know, what did we learn? How do we make the Boston Marathon, you know, after 2013? How do we make it safe? I said, the only way I know how to make a marathon perfectly safe is not to have the marathon. And I think people have to realize that, that we, as a nation, we we have a because that's how we actually like to live and mm-hmm. we need to invest in minimizing the risk to us but also um, uh, embrace, you know, in some ways embrace those vulnerabilities.
1: Knowing that pretty much everything comes with some risk, right? We just have to be aware that that is the case. And to your point, try to minimize as much as we can. But for many of us, when we see these things happen, they're happening to other people, you know? And it's, I think the thing is, it's coming closer and closer to each and every one of our homes, you know? It just seems to be inching closer and closer. But I'm curious, what's your perspective really having been a victim yourself. I would love for you to share your personal experience with with terrorism and how it impacted you and your outlook, because that, that plays a very big role in your perspective.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, and I had been in counterterrorism before 9-11, so I, you know, had this, like, professional expertise, and then 9-11 happens, and everyone is, is uh, you know, looking to someone like me, like, tell us what's going on. I, on 9-11, and I obviously... I make it clear like you know I have not experiencing experienced either the sacrifices or the um, so many have faced um in light of the terror threat or or even the wars that we fought after 911 but um on 911 I was uh had a five-week-old daughter. We are on a train uh, to New York from Boston, and people who know that train know that it's a a semi-speed train, uh, and the first tower gets hit, and I know it before I get on the train, and then the second one when I'm on the train, and I am on this train heading towards ground zero. I'm getting phone calls from all sorts of media because there were very few people in the field at that time doing these calls and not really thinking about this community around me of people who were afraid they didn't know what's going on this was before iphones so our access to data was really bad and and all sorts of rumors are flying you know the president is dead the white house some the plane landed in the white house all these things some of them true some of them not true and uh finally realized that i had an obligation to protect the community call it a train you know that i was on and and basically once we got to New Haven which is just one or two stops before New York here um basically told everyone to evacuate cuz remember we had no protocols at that time no one even knew what was going mm-hmm. on because i knew that a train heading into ground zero based on my experience you know because we didn't know if the attacks were over it was just a bad idea and so basically evacuated the train by getting up on a chair you know with my baby and you know, on a train chair And just saying, get out, you know, get out, get out, and just getting everyone off that train. It was a moment where, you know, sort of I came to in the sense that I I realized that I had an obligation given my expertise to help the communities. You know that I was a part of, and whether it's my family or or in government or or on a train randomly on the train, um but also that people really did need the tools to know what to do so a huge part of the book is not just here are stories that you can take lessons from, but a huge part is also you know to get people to think about you know preparedness as something not just oh, you know if something bad happens, you know I'll have plenty of time, and I'll call nine one one and so You know, I have worked enough disasters from Haiti to H1N1 to the Boston Marathon and enough. I've worked enough of them to know that the most important thing for all of us, and you're a parent and any parents listening, is in the middle of a crisis or after a crisis, the thing that people will care the most about is family unification. If I could have, you know, if I could have one wish in terms of, empowering people. It's to sit down with your family, obviously age appropriate, you know, maturity appropriate, and to really map through for 20, 25 minutes, you know, what would you do if something happened? And it could be big or small, but uh, it, it empowers kids. They know that you have a plan. You and your partner, whoever else is an adult in the house will have a sense that you've Managed at least some part of a crazy world. Um, family unification—it's it, it, the only thing that matters in a crisis. You—you want to know your kids are okay, that your family's okay, and that should animate a lot of our our planning and preparedness.
1: Right, and I—I want to get into a little bit more detail on mitigating the yeah. risk and preparing for the worst in just a moment. But your story that you just told about kind of the, that tragic day for our country and, and your personal impact and the fact that we really were living and there wasn't communication and there weren't these things in place, which seems like a life. But it really did lead to what was being called the security mom syndrome, you know, yeah. where back in 2004, I think it was the first security mom, but this wave of this heightened awareness that we needed to have a safer, more secure America. But so much has changed between 2004 and now. But do you feel that what was plaguing the security moms of 2004 is still what's plaguing security moms today, even though fast forward all these many years?
3: Yeah, it's it's, it's such a great question because obviously – the, the title of my book is a little play on this, the notion that security mom was also not a compliment in the sense that, you know, she was a demographic, a voting demographic, a, a commercial demographic, an advertising demographic of the very worried, powerless, she can't do anything mother. And I think of, oh my, I think of every mother I know and it's, you know, they're the exact opposite. They just, you know, tell them what to do, give them a list, they'll get it done, right? And so I really wanted to, Turn it I mean both you know because i 'm a security mom and but also to really try to say, Look, in this time of heightened fear, there are you know things that you can do to sort of own it right and to you know and 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 get a grip over even your own home you know preparedness I think it's it's interesting the fear factor, whether it's we 're in the middle of an election or at the end of one and and also just out in the world, really does ebb and flow with What's going on in the world? So you did see this sort of rise of uh, concern, uh, at least in in the polling that that people were following. You know, obviously, after Paris and Brussels and um, and Orlando, it's it's ebbed a little bit. Um, public health scares like Ebola uh, and Zika also uh, are of our. If you just look at the polling of a, you know sort of impact women in particular, mothers more sort of thinking about your kids and vaccinations attributes of our vulnerabilities that do for whatever reason do impact the security moms and so part of what I wanted to do through this book although it's for security dads and it's for you know given your audience it's for security bosses as well I mean it's for you know you know, people who lead big institutions about their obligations um, in terms of uh, being part of the Homeland Security enterprise. Those are all what we're seeing today, but obviously it's very different. The, the fear and the concern are very different than they were in 2002, three, and four.
1: Yeah yeah different factors out there i mean i know security mom you're you've got to play on words there but it's not really just moms is it i mean it's no. parents in general i do you feel like one gender over another this is impacting more significantly than the other or it's such a great question because it's, it 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 does i mean you just look at the polling like you know especially
3: after orlando um so where you know in florida it's remarkable, the the gender shift in terms of women's concerns about ISIS, uh, which I think, you know, sort of gets to, get to active shooter concerns, you know, whether it's motivated by uh, terrorism or something else. Uh, but the book, and also this idea of preparedness and yeah, I have this mantra. You know, don't be pre- don't be scared. Get prepared. You know that that um, is really for everyone. I mean, it's it is, and it's, it's a lot of my work now. I, I I teach at the Kennedy School, and I I recently changed the title of my class at Harvard. It used to be called Homeland Security, but that's it, that wasn't what I was trying to capture. I actually call it now the Homeland Security Enterprise because I want students, but also people who um uh you know are interested in this to to really grasp that our homeland security our preparedness is really not owned by you know a city or a state or 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 the federal government It's really something that faith based organizations uh that you're seeing in florida with the with the um hurricane are engaged with it's something that companies in terms of active shooter um, uh, training for their employees or cyber, uh, uh, security so that they can protect, uh, their customers, all sorts of, everyone has to feel like they own it. Um, and that's how you minimize the risk.
1: Yeah, well, and I wanna I wanna get into that even more when we come back. We're gonna take a quick break, Juliet, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about what we can do to feel less like a victim and more yeah. in control as much as we possibly can, uh, considering how out of control the world may seem right now. Everybody, stick around. More from Juliet Kayam and just
0: Her strings. We'll be right back after a word from our advertisers. visit FjordDigital.com or call 612-877-3840 and get the support and protection your website and business deserve. That's F-J-O-R-G-E-Digital.com.
2: Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. More refreshing talk radio on air and on demand 24-7. Only on Cranberry Radio.
0: Her Strings is back with the inside track on today's women. Once again, here's Maria Ritan.
1: Welcome back. I've been chatting today with Juliet Kayyem. She spent more than 15 years managing, uh, boy, everything, dealing with major crises, I feel like, from both a state level and a federal level. Most recently, she was President Obama's Assistant Secretary for Intergovernment Affairs at the Department of Homeland Security. She's played a similar role at the state of Massachusetts level as well, overseeing the National Guard, and um, she's the author of of a new book called Security Mom, an unclassified Guide to Protecting Our Homeland and Your Home. She'll be addressing the Miami Book Fair coming up this November, bringing that book to uh, lots of of book fans in Miami. And we've been talking about, you know, kind of how the world has changed since 9-11. And Juliet, your personal impact on that very scary day. And You've seen the worst of the worst out there because that's your job really is to see the worst of the worst. And I I think your book does a nice job as a memoir of laying out through your eyes what you've seen comes to security and the fact that at the end of the day, security isn't guaranteed. And we know we can't control a lot of the bad stuff out there because a lot of that is out of our control but that we can mitigate it and we can help to combat the impact on our families, which is where at the end of the day, our hearts are, you know, we, we want to try to stave off the bad stuff from hitting our family. You talked earlier um, in our conversation about having a plan and sitting down with your children and talking through, you know, some scenarios of what would happen if Um, that's one way to prepare for the worst. But what are some other things? Uh, so I
3: have really a relatively simple sort of five uh part plan, and it's uh and I want to be clear to everyone you know no planning is going to cure every potential scenario so uh, you, right. know, you know don't be you know don't be paralyzed by imperfection, right, but you know if you spend some time, you can get sort of eighty percent of the way there. So, I mean, the first is just what we already talked about, which is you do need to talk it out because um, having a, a, a plan and engaging your family and sort of what that plan might be is just really key. I do recommend uh, having provisions if you are able and uh, can afford it and have the storage for uh, your home. It doesn't have to be, you know, preparing for Armageddon. It just has to be, you know, the basics that will just sort of, you know, give you a sense that you can be at home for a day or two without having to run out and that's these are worst case scenarios but you know water non-perishable food flashlights you know candles special medication especially for kids um i always think you everyone should have cash uh we are still a cash-based society so if you can grab a couple hundred bucks hide them from your uh desperate kids and whoever else and just have cash in hand because you just don't know if atms go down sort of what you could use it for. Um, On the cyber stuff, it's really important for families, and and people in Florida will know this because of some of the devastation and and natural disasters. Uh, very important documents um, uh, in particular um, uh, birth certificates, passports, you know, take a picture, put them in the cloud, uh, make copies. Uh, don't just leave them in the same place where the originals are, mail them out of state. Uh, I've seen too many people have to spend too much time recreating the basic foundation of, of their identity and it's just so not worth it. Um, and so, uh, and it could be easily solved. And then, you know, finally, I just, I, I really think if people could um, you know, while you're doing all of this, still live your life. That's always my mm-hmm. number one, you know, attribute. You know, people will say, Should I go to Europe uh you know, after Paris, I said, you know, like it's not like there's gonna be a white flag hey, hanging over Europe in, in in a few months that everything is fine. I mean we we ha- unfortunately the world is in such a way in which there are uh risks, but uh But, you know, if you've been planning that trip to Paris, still go, Yeah, and so Mm -hmm. I think it's important for people to hear that from someone like me, uh, um, uh, because, you know, because there are ways in which you can sort of be paralyzed into not acting. And I think that would be the worst reaction to a lot of the news that we see on the headlines.
1: I could not agree with funny, not funny, but ironic. We were planning a trip to Paris, and and the attack happened, and then right before we left to go to Paris, the Paris attack happened, and so my reaction was, of course, you know, we can't let these random acts influence how we live our lives, and You know, I will say that I felt incredibly safe. You know, who knows if I really was, but there were guards and um, it just, everything that you would think would be in place was in place. And I would have regretted not taking that trip. And um, I do, I I have the same encouragement of people to go out and live your lives. It's the the best thing I think we can do for our overall (laughs) mental health. Um, but, you know, the one thing I think many of us struggle with is, you know, at what age do we start talking to our kids about this? And what do we tell them? So they're not living in fear by what they're seeing online, on social media, yes. YouTube videos, on, you know, TV screens. What what do you advise there? So it's
3: that, uh, it, is, it is hard because, I mean, you know, as a parent, I mean, sometimes it's not even the age, it's maturity. Can they handle it? Some kids are more nervous than others. So what I believe, and I've talked to many doctors and others about this, because I, you know, I have a career in which my kids are essentially living this stuff through their mom's work, right? right. And so, um, and have thought about it a lot. So, I mean, I think the first thing that we all know, but just you got to check yourself is... You know, your kid's sense of well-beingness is related to yours. So if you have a tendency to have the news on, too much or yell at the TV and say, you know, the world's going to hell in a handbasket, you know, turn off the TV, you know, mm-hmm. make sure that your kids, you know, they're, they're absorbing your own anxieties. Um, and so uh, we just don't want a generation of of anxious kids. Uh, you know, we want empowered kids. The second in terms of age, is I actually think at quite a young age, kids get safety and security. They get helmets, they get seat belts. And so part of what you want to do is make this, you know, whether it's, you know, very you know, elementary schools are doing active shooter training now, is that you, you yeah. make it part of um, their own, you know, part of an umbrella of things that you're doing every single day to make them safer and more secure, right? The seatbelts, mm-hmm. the helmets, everything else. And then with older kids who are processing a lot of the dynamics, and let's just be honest are a lot of the political dynamics that are in play mm-hmm. right now, um, I, um, I, I have found, and a lot of people who are, you know, are sort of much more professional in this realm, is, to open up the the conversation to them, but don't direct it. In other words, if there's a difference between you coming home from work and saying, did you hear what happened in Paris? Isn't it horrible? What do you think? To listen, I'm sure you heard in Paris, like, are your friends talking about it? Like, what's going on? And just let them guide the conversation much more than you saying, it's horrible, it's scary. And, and letting them sort of, process it for for themselves with you Mm -hmm. being the adult as compared to you being an adult saying, you know, here's how you have to think about it or here's what it means and and, isn't the world horrible? Kids Mm -hmm. need to know um, that... We are that they are living in a time you know that um is the safest despite even gun violence the safest and most secure time in in generations um not safe enough um not secure enough, but certainly in the trajectory of time, let alone geographically when you compare to the experience our kids have whatever their socioeconomic status is compared to other countries um, it's very important that they understand that they're starting from a very secure position so those are some things I've learned over the over the years look you're not hiding and I guess the last thing I say is you're not hiding it from them. I mean, anything, if you think that if you just don't talk about it, your kids aren't absorbing it. Um, I mean, you must live in a much less <laughs> uh, you know, networked world than I do. But my kids, you know, my kids are getting the headlines before I do because they're online right. a lot more than I am.
1: Mm-hmm. Totally. Unfortunately. That's unfortunately <laughs> is right. I know. We have to be as, as quick as a first responder as we can, which exactly. is very difficult. They're on Snapchat. I know. It's crazy. Um, I could talk to you for two more hours, Juliet, but unfortunately our time's come to a close. But any final words, any final words of advice you'd like to leave us with Yeah, today? so
3: I, you know, two things is, you know, one quickly is, as I said, you know, just given what I know about your listeners, um, you uh, every piece in society of our homeland security to really think about obligation sector and communities and and others who are leaders in their communities to be and to and to uh, you know sort of uh lead in homeland security capability is there so so I want everyone to hear that, that that we all own this um and uh and and secondly just thank you it's just been a pleasure and uh, people can as you said people can go online I've got an online course if you want some more tools of the trade and and it's just a pleasure to be able to to relate this in faster than CNN segments which are tend to be only 90 <laughs> seconds <laughs> That's right
1: it's nice to have a full half hour with you Juliette and I encourage to go on to your website. It's JulietteKayem.com. That's K-A-Y-Y-E-M.com. You can, of course, hear her own podcast that she has, read her blog, go get her book, which is just out, as I mentioned, and, and learn more about her great background. And Juliet, thank you for keeping us as safe as we possibly can be, and at least more aware of what we can do um, for our friends and our family. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. And thanks to my producer, George. And join me right here next week for another edition of First Drinks at 3 o'clock Eastern time. Until then, make it a great one.